0: Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. This morning we're going to finish up our series, Off the Chain. know We've talked about this issue of the fact that God does not want us to live a shackled lifestyle. In fact, the word of God declares this. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Jesus declared in John 10.10, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. I, I love how Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount when he said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to the wise man who builds his house upon the rock. And the rains ascended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat against that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because because it's founded upon the rock. But whoever hears these things of mine and does not do them. Well, that's a different story, isn't it? And it's real easy for us in the the activities of life, in the ebb and flow of life, it's real easy for us to find ourselves in a very different place than we intended, right? In a very different situation than we initially imagined. And where we find ourselves in a spot where we are in too deep. When I was in seventh grade, we were reading the Adventures of Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn in school, and I thought, "Man, I love this! This is cool. Just the idea of being a an adventurer, right? And being one of that one of those guys that could, man, I could I could take on anything." And then I loved the idea. In fact, so did one of my. One of my good friends, Bobo, and Bobo and I, we got this idea. We lived, uh, we lived in the in, in Fort Myers area, and uh, down there, it's, you know, you're on the Gulf Coast, and there are all these there's these series of canals, and uh, so we decided that we were going to have a, a Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer type of adventure. We had to we had to create a raft, and so here's what we did: we took a, a four by eight sheet of plywood and uh, a, a, two, a few two by fours, and we created the framework for a raft, and then we started saving milk jugs and we saved about 64 milk jugs and tied these milk jugs to the bottom of this device that we created out of this plywood and two by fours, right? So we had a platform, we had the old milk jugs for buoyancy, and we're setting out on an adventure. Six pack of Dr. Pepper. Remember that when You could buy a six pack of bottles of of soda and six pack of Dr. Dr. Pepper and some um, bologna and cheese sandwiches and we're good to go. And we are, we are cruising the canals, right? We've got, the, we've got a, a, a couple of extra two-by-fours that we can use as kind of our, our, our guides, and we're just we're cruising the canals. I, I don't know at what point the water got too deep. I knew that we were in trouble when we exited the canal and entered the river. And then as it, it seemed like the current had taken over and we're on our way to the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> and, and at some point, the sense of adventure became a, a concern and then concern turned to panic. I was crying when the Coast Guard showed up. <laughs> uh, crying is not the right, term, I believe I was weeping uncontrollably. (laughs) Wow, I was in over my head. I wish that was the only time in my life that was the case. And yet, far too often, I, I find myself on some level understanding Samson's position in Judges chapter 16. Probably the saddest of all stories in the Bible, probably the saddest of all scriptures in the Bible is Judges 16, 20. When it says this about Samson, he did not know the spirit of the Lord had left him. His, his journey was, was so imperceptible that he did not even realize that the spirit of the Lord had left him. He had gone from being such a powerful man of God and a young man with an amazing destiny to being blind, shackled, and enslaved. And here's what I know. All across this room, There are individuals who at one time, man, life was going along incredibly for you. And now you you find yourself shackled, in prison. You're stuck in an addiction that you don't wanna talk about. In fact, even the mention of it right now makes you uncomfortable. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm not here to put you on blast. And in fact, I believe this. I believe that God wants to set you free this morning. You, you're in a relationship that you know is ungodly. And she seemed attractive. He seemed nice. And, and, it, and it all started so innocent, but now you're stuck. And where there was once a sense of adventure, now there's just a sense of overwhelming. I'm not here to judge you, but God is here, and the presence of the Holy Spirit is here to see you set free. And and more than that, for you to live a life where these things that life will throw at you, and the enemy will throw at you. Because make no mistake, there is a heaven to gain, and there's a hell to shun. There is a great advocate, there's also a great adversary. The enemy, Satan, does go about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so I want to talk to you about not just how to how to break free from that. But I want to talk to you about how to live a life of freedom. How to, moving forward, live a life that continues to be free. Because far too many people, skeptics, seekers, and even saints, far too many people live an imprisoned life. We're we're, we're bound by junk. We're bound by... Situations were bound by relationships, were bound by thought. One that, the, one that the enemy attempts to really work with me on is this issue of inadequacy. And it's a natural byproduct of the life that I lived growing up, um, being in a very abusive home and, and being subject to violent abuse. I, I have to push back against that. And it's something that the enemy throws at me all the time. In fact, I'll give you an example. Yesterday afternoon, uh, we had a neighborhood social, a neighborhood block party. And as the, as the time um, for that block party became closer and closer, I, I began um, feeling more and more anxiety to the point that I started feeling sick. Right? I know you're thinking, seriously, pastor, you stand in front of hundreds of people Every week, minister to thousands of people in a given month. Um, Surely you don't have a problem being in front of people. Can I tell you, it wreaks havoc on me. And so yesterday afternoon, I'm going, oh, man, I I don't want to do this. I don't want to. And I had all these excuses that started running through my mind of reasons that I could get out of it. I know, I know that I'm supposed to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. I know that I'm supposed to be a witness to my neighbors. I, I get that, but oh, what if they don't like me? You know, um, what if, um, and then and that whole pressure of, of feeling like you have to be a witness, right? Oh, that's my battle. By the way, Jody and I came walking up We chatted with a few of our neighbors for a few moments and the guy that seemingly was in charge of the deal said, well, seeing how we have a preacher here, yeah, seeing how we have a preacher here, I'm sure that nobody would mind if he prays over our time and over the meal. Which opened up a wonderful door to talk about the things of God and connections and relationships and we got to know some of our neighbors better, we met, um, some of our neighbors for the first time and, and had the opportunity uh, to, in a very comfortable way, to live out our faith. You know what? Nobody attacked me verbally or physically. And, um, and uh, you know what? God was able to protect me in all of it. My, my chains were chains of my own making. And they were very unfounded. Um. And I know this. I know that God doesn't want me to live with that, and God doesn't want you. He wants you to live the unchained life. Okay? Right? He does. How do we get stuck in it? Well, the journey to addiction is pretty interesting. And, in fact, the journey to addiction, you can, you can read about it uh, online. You can, you can read about it in Scripture. Uh, the story of the prodigal son, is the, it's, the, it's the journey to addiction, Right? Starts with the idea of deception, this this thought that's not true. But this thought that captivates you. Luke chapter 15 in the story of the prodigal son. And and in the story of the prodigal son, uh, what happens is this is, is the the younger son starts to have this thought. There's probably something better than what I'm experiencing right now. Okay? And and, and just where you know this, if you're walking in relationship with God, don't be surprised when the enemy tries to convince you that there's something better. It's a lie, but it's real easy to get sucked into that. And what happens is that deception fuels a desire. And if that desire isn't dealt with, that desire will bring you to a decision. Right? So in the, the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son, he has this desire. And he gets sucked into that. And that desire, it leads, to, it leads to a decision. And this is what the prodigal son says. He says this, you know what? Life outside of connection with the father has to be better. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the father for what he owes me. Isn't that an interesting thing? The idea of an inheritance that it's owed to us. I'm going to ask the the father for what he owes me. And the father because the father operates on grace and operates on favor. Remember that. The Father operates on grace and favor. Your Heavenly Father operates on grace and favor. God is not some big bloodshot eyeball in the sky with lightning bolt in hand waiting to zap you if you do something wrong. That's the reason why it's very important for you to understand that walking with God is not about rules and regulations. It's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. God has never demonstrated that that is his posture. That is garbage that religion tries to throw on you and you need to reject it in wholesale fashion. If you want to know the character of God, look at how Jesus displays the father in the story of the prodigal son. And and, and, and the father says this, if you want to go your own way, if you want to do your own thing, here's resource, because I don't want you to be without. It's amazing how God provides for us even when we're disobedient to him. And so... The deception leads to desire. The desire leads to decision. And that decision is always followed by departure. And in that departure, here's what you're going to find. There's always some delight. Right? The prodigal son, he's got money. And he's spending money. And if you have money and spend money, you have friends. Right? But, of course, here's what we know. Those friends... Um, they are friends because of activity, not because of commitment. All right? Uh, if you've been around, you've heard me say this, that here's, here's, here's friends that you have, okay? You've got cordial friends, casual friends, okay? Cordial and casual, those are friends of convenience. Let me say that again. Your cordial friends and casual friends, those are friends of convenience. Then there's committed, and then there's covenant. Cordial, casual, committed, covenant. And cordial and casual are your friends because of convenience. Okay? They happen to be your friends at the time. If, you've, if, if life has caused you to move around much, you understand that whole cordial, casual friends. They're convenient friends. And once you move, they're really not your friends anymore. They might be your friends on Facebook, or maybe you decided to unfriend them. And, uh, but um, the... Um, which is always painful when somebody unfriends you. But um, that, um, that whole thing, I, I'll, I'll say this. I've only unfriended two people ever on Facebook. And uh, I, if you, I, it, I won't unfriend you unless you do something really um, crazy. I will, I will unfollow you, okay? I will hide you. If you send me a Farmville request, okay, or any of those different things or ask me to play Bedazzled or Bejeweled or whatever it is with you, I will not unfriend you, but I will unfollow you. Okay, I will hide you. <laughs> and so you're still my friend, you're just in the background. Anyway. Um, but we have these friends that, you know, and, and that's, what, that's what the rich and ruler ended up, he had all these people around him. Why? Because he had stuff, okay? And so the, 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 the shackled life, okay, on the way to the chains, there's always a lot of pleasure. Let me say that again. On the way to the chains, There's a lot of pleasure. In fact, some of you, that's where you're at in the journey right now. You're walking counter to God's plan for your life and you're going, yeah, but this is so much better. And the pleasures of this world are for a season, friend. But here's what happens. In Luke chapter 15, it says this. Once he had spent all that he had, okay, Now, where did he get what he had? He got it from the Father, okay? So, when I'm walking in relationship with the Father, when I'm walking under the Father's covering, there is blessing and there's provision that comes with that, okay? And God doesn't take all that away from you if you walk away from him. You can carry that with you. He doesn't continue to bless your rebellion, but you can take that with you, and so what it means is this, is that you can live in a rebellion for a season and still be living off the provision of the Father. But here's what happens in due course. That, that provision that you had, because you're no longer walking in relationship with the Father, and he's still wooing you, he's still calling you, but he, he's, not, he's not funding your rebellion when that residual resource is gone, now delight turns to despair. And as soon as the resource is gone, what happens? A famine comes. The enemy understands and realize this. The enemy will use delight to hook you. He he uses despair to keep you. If you get nothing else out of this morning, I want you to get that. The enemy uses delight to hook you. And right now, some of you are being hooked by that delight. Okay? But that delight has an expiration to it. And he uses despair to keep you. What does that despair look like? Well, it's an unhealthy connection to An inability to satisfy a hunger. Sir, that's why you go back night after night and you turn on that computer screen and you look at images of somebody's daughter and you feel horrible about it but you continue to do it because you're hoping that somehow you can satisfy this incredible hunger within you. Or ma'am, why you, why you, why you take that drug, prescription or otherwise, that, that seemingly is having less and less of an effect but in hope, in hope that somehow it will help numb. Even though the numbing effect is considerably reduced, and and because it's reduced, you're getting pulled in further and further and further. And the delight is long gone, and now it's just the the despair. The relationship... (laughs) It was so much fun. But now I'm stuck. And oh, I never dreamed I would be in the spot that I'm in. This is not the plan that I had. It's not the dream that I had for my life. The story in Luke chapter 15, in the story of the prodigal son, he finds himself Sleeping with pigs. Longing to eat what the pigs eat. I don't know if you've been around pigs much. I had the opportunity uh, one time to take care of some pigs. One of the families in our church, they had pigs for a 4-H project. And uh, they were wanting to go on a family trip. And the the person who uh, was to take care of their animals uh, was at the last minute was not available. And uh, this family actually visited here a few months ago. And this is from our first ministry assignment in Atlantic, Iowa. And the, uh, I said, oh, I'll, I'll be more than happy to come out and take care of your animals. They didn't have many, they had like 30 pigs and about 30 sheep. And uh, I managed to lose all the sheep. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, and the pigs, wow. Um, yeah, no. For, for weeks, I would just touch my fingers and. Oh my goodness, How did seriously, how does the hog dust get that far under your fingernails? And uh, yeah, never again. Uh, But the idea of sleeping with the pigs and wanting to eat what the pigs eat, and it says this in Luke chapter 15, it says, And when he came to his senses, and when he came to his senses, I believe this, I believe that for some of you, God has brought you here this morning to where you'll have that moment when we come to our senses. Right? And what does he do? He realizes that my father's servants, not children, the lowest servant in my father's household has it better than what I have it. And when you come to your senses, here's what you'll discover, is this, is being connected to the father, God, even at the most minute level is far greater than what life outside of God has to offer. It's tough to see that when you're in the delight mode. I totally get that, okay? But trust me, that delight always, it's always, always, always followed by despair. Part of the reason why it's tough for people to recognize that is because we're so good at living lies, right? And so people will tell you that it's something different than what it is. I remember when I was in, when I was in, 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 in junior high and high school, I had friends that would try to convince me to do things. And one of, the, one of the biggies was this, is they tried to convince me to smoke cigarettes. Well, my father died of lung cancer when I was seven years old. And, and I watched how that cancer destroyed his body, and there was just no way that I was gonna do that. And, and, and friends would say, you know, hey, you gotta try this, I'm not gonna do it. You gotta try this, I'm not gonna do it, right? And then they would mock me, because I wouldn't do it. They would, they would call me names, because I wouldn't do it. And finally, when they realized that I wasn't gonna do it, here's what inevitably, what they would say, they'd go, yeah, I'm trying to quit. Really? And you're trying to suck me into this nasty uh, habit? Uh, no. And, and so, what we do is we tend to, because of shame, because of guilt and shame, we tend to hide the despair from others when we're in it. And, and God doesn't want that. He, he, wants you to, he wants you to walk in freedom. So, how do I get out of it? How, here's how I get out of it I get out of it by doing exactly what the prodigal son did. And, and he said this He said, You know what? I'm going to get up. I'm going to get out of the pit. I'm going to get out of the pig pen and I'm going to go back to my father, okay? He didn't clean himself up. He didn't, he just went, right? And I'm going to say to the father, I'm no longer worthy to be one of your children, but if if you just let me be as one of your servants, right? Comes in humility. And what's the response of the father? Yeah, you're right, you messed up. That's not what the father says, okay? While he's yet a long way off, the father runs to him. You want to know God's posture towards you when you're in rebellion? If you'll turn to him on any level, when you're a long way off, he runs to you. and doesn't say, I told you so. Here's what he says, bring a robe, put it on my son. Bring a ring, put it on his finger, right? We're gonna have a celebration because my son that was lost is now found. And God wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to live in that. He wants you to live this unchained life. Then how how do you do that then going forward? Let me give you four things real quickly from 2 Timothy chapter 2. I love this this portion of scripture. And and by the way, I believe this. If If there's a scripture that I could give to church folks to tell you live the word, live the word, live the word, it's this. Okay? Second Timothy chapter two. Look at starting in verse sixteen. Avoid godless chatter. Wow, that, I love that. Okay, some of us need to write that on a refrigerator. Some of us need to put that on the rearview mirror of our car. Some of us need to put that over our computer. Avoid godless chatter. Avoid godless chatter. Why? Look what it says. I love this. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Okay? We get caught up in this godless chatter. Okay? Words are powerful. And we get caught up in this godless chatter. And those who engage in it become more and more ungodly. Their junk spreads like gangrene, the word of God says. Okay? If you understand what gangrene is, gangrene is when there's no blood supply and stuff turns nasty and stinks and gets brown and black and falls off. Avoid godless chatter because that's the impact that it has on your life. And here's what I've noticed. You know what people do? You know what people do no matter who they are? They talk. And you know the things that people love to talk about? They love to talk about religion, and everyone has an idea, and everyone has a philosophy. And so much of the junk out there from self-proclaimed experts has nothing to do with the Word of God. And we buy into unhealthy philosophy, we get caught up in ridiculous doctrine because it doesn't line up with the Word of God. And what we'll do is we'll take the advice of so-called experts. And by the way, if you're looking for a biblical expert, go into any bar in Orlando. (laughs) And we have all these so-called experts and they know the word of God and the stuff that they're spewing is garbage. It's godless chatter. In fact, let me go a step further. Turn on most of Christian television, and I'm very careful to say that because I know that we air on Good Life 45. But so much of this stuff, it's extra biblical and it's nonsense. And people will attribute to God things that he did not say, and they'll give you all kinds of crazy philosophy. Let me tell you this. The principles and the truth and the Word of God matter. Avoid godless chatter. Now, here's what I want you to know. I I want you to understand this, that avoiding godless chatter doesn't mean that every time you speak that you have to invoke the name of Jesus. In fact, those people are annoying, right? How's the weather? Well, I know this. I know that God is, God is over the weather. Well, that's great. How do you, who, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? I'll tell you who's going to win the Super Bowl, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> really? I didn't know he was playing. <laughs> okay. When when it says in 2 Timothy, avoid godless chatter, it doesn't mean that the only thing that you can talk about is Jesus and the Gospels. Here's what it means. It means this. Don't get caught up in things that are not in line with the truth of the word of God. In fact, when you speak, here's what it tells us. Colossians 4 says this. That your conversation is supposed to be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that those around you will listen. Listen, some of you are so bent on this whole Christianese thing that the people around you find you profoundly annoying. Okay, But what we have to do is this. We have to found our life on the truth. I'm going to found my life on the truth. Okay. Here's what I know. I know this, that I was created in God's image. And I know this. I know that he has a plan for me, and it's a plan to prosper me and not to harm me, a plan to give me a future and a hope. I I, I know this. I know that he's given me everything that I need for life and godliness. I also know that I'm supposed to put on the full armor of God to where I'm able to take my stand. And so I can live with those truths. I, 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 I appreciate and value and love people who are caught up in deceptive religion. But even though I love my Muslim neighbor and even though I care about my Hindu friend, I can love them and care about them and value them yet recognize that they're in error in their religious thought, right? And I can accept them without endorsing their belief. My, my neighbor that, that is caught in gender confusion I can love them and accept them without endorsing the activity in their life, right? And, and I don't have to spew Bible facts at them every time I see them, but what I can do is this, is I can maintain an understanding of, of what is true and live accordingly. I love the way that Paul put it when he wrote to the, the, the church at Philippi. In Philippians chapter 4, he says this, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think on those things. And, and when you do that, that the God of peace will be with you. So I'm gonna found my life on the truth. What is that? That which is true, that which is noble, that which is right, that which is pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Okay? And all truth is God's truth. Let me say that again. All truth is God's truth. Okay? Let me give you a truth. If you, stand in front of a tra- if you stand in front of a train and it hits you, it's going to hurt. Okay? That's not, I, I can't give you a, a, a book, chapter, and verse on that. But I know that it's true. Okay? And so we found our life on the truth. Avoid godless chatter. The second thing that I do to live this unchained life I found my life on the truth. The second thing that I do is I flee evil desires. I flee evil desires. And, and it's not just fleeing evil desires because here's the mistake that a lot of people in, in, in the Christian world, in this Christian subculture that we're in, we, we flee evil desires, but we, we leave out the second part uh, of what we find here in 2 Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, I think it's verse number 23. We, what we forget to do is this. Is, yeah, uh, as, uh, 2.22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. By, by the way, that's one that Christians could really grasp, pursue peace. Uh, just saying. They, in fact, let me, make a, let me make a real quick political statement. Okay don't vote angry okay and don't vote for anger i will never tell you who to vote for but vote your values okay and know what know know what politicians stand for it amazes me the amount of energy that's happening in in the political process this year that's fueled by anger okay and just just stop for a moment okay pause don't get caught up in the hype be a person that you live out your values, and, and that even includes your civic activity, your voting, okay? So make sure you vote your, uh, vote your values, don't vote your emotion. I'm going to get back off my soapbox because I know I'm going to get comments on Facebook over that. And so God bless you. You know what? I don't think pastor likes Donald Trump. Well, I, you know. <laughs> In fact, now that I said, let me go a step further. Let me just really offend you. How can Christians support an individual who writes in a book in order to get the upper hand in business that, that he will sleep with a competitor's wife? I understand. Listen, sir. I understand you're angry about what's going on in the world, but never compromise your values. It's very important that we get that. Listen, this is too important what we have going on. And so we're supposed to flee evil desires. There's an, in, there's an intentionality with fleeing. That's not simply avoiding. That's passionately running away from. Far too many people who profess to be Christ followers, we try to see how close we can live to an unhealthy, ungodly lifestyle. We, we try to see how close we can get to the muck and garbage of the world without getting muddy and we find ourselves constantly falling into the the garbage. Instead, here's what we should do. We should figure out how far we can be away from that stuff and still function in society, because we still have this responsibility to be salt and light. Flee evil desires and pursue, okay? Pursue isn't just an issue of the heart. Pursue is living with an intentionality. I am going to pursue anyone who is genuinely falling in love. Understands what it means to pursue something. Okay, I will tell you this: I, as a completely smitten eighteen-year-old guy, I pursued my wife. I'm just saying. Okay, there were lots of other guys that were interested in Jody. I pursued. Take that, guys. There there, are guys. there, there are names I could mention, but I'm, I'm not going to. So I will mention one: Ed Walter. Take that, Ed Walter, with your Halston Z14 cologne. Anyway, l- 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 let me. I got to move quickly. My time is, is, is well gone. Uh, here's, here's the. I, I, I touched on this on both on, on uh, founding my life on truth and fleeing evil desires, okay? Here's what we need to do. We need to, we need to focus on our conversation. We need, to, we need to focus on our interactions. Here's what it, here's what it tells us um, in, in, in the Word of God. It, it, it tells us this. It says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. I believe this. I believe that 90% of the chatter that happens in the church world is foolish and stupid arguments. Uh, you know, are you pre trib, mid trib, post trib? You know what? I'm Jesus. Okay? You know, do you believe that you have to be baptized? Look, look, here's what I am I'm Jesus. Okay? We'll work the rest of that out. Here's here's what I I know. I know this. The Bible says this, that if we seek him, we will find him. I'm not interested in winning an argument. Here's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in you knowing Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel. That's what I'm interested in you knowing. We get caught up. We major in the minors, and we, we win arguments, and we lose relationships We win debates and we sacrifice our joy. Avoid foolish arguments because all they do is produce quarrels. That's the reason why I will have from time to time, I'll have somebody come up to me after church and they want to debate me. God bless you, you know. Man, I love you. Uh, Two things. Number one, don't try to debate me after church on Sunday. I'm tired, okay. (laughs) Let me tell you what I want. I, I want a double cheeseburger, fries, and a, and a recliner. That's all I'm looking for, you know? And somebody will want to ask me something about some obscure theological thought they have based on a, a comment that I made on Sunday morning in the middle of a sermon when I wasn't even listening. <laughs> I don't know, you know? I'm going to let you in know on a little secret. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Let me say that again. Some of you are saying, I know, okay? I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm not the smartest guy in the room as it relates to this book. There are people in here that have been studying this a lot longer than me, okay? And they are exceptional theologians. And, and, and God didn't put me here because I'm the smartest guy in the room. He put me here because he recognized that the gifting that he's placed in me is what is necessary to provide leadership for this body at this time. And I don't have to be the smart. In fact, it's probably good that I know that I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm pretty comfortable with, with, with these three words. I don't know. Okay? And so I'll have people, they'll, they'll come in and they'll go, Pastor, what do you, what do you think about? It? I don't know. Especially end times, people wanna talk to me about end times stuff, okay? Revelation, it was John's, it was a dream that John had. I can't figure out my own dreams. And they want me to interpret John's dreams. And here's what I know. There are people that have these big, they've got these big maps that they can put across the entire stage and even a stage this big. And they'll explain to you specifically what revelation means. And then then the next so-called expert, they'll come and they'll tell you something completely different. And they're 100% convinced that they're 100% right. I have no clue of what a lot of revelation means. Okay, let me tell you what I do know what means. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that through him, the world might be saved. I know that, I understand it. I get that. I'll tell you what else I get. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I totally understand that. I'll tell you another one I understand. I understand this, that faith without works is a dead faith. I get that, okay, and so I understand that. And God will not hold me responsible for that which I do not know, and I will tell you this, I pursue true, truth, and it is my desire to found my life on the truth, okay? And what I find is this, as I consistently seek God, he continues to reveal himself to me more and more because he's faithful. He's not done with me yet. Philippians says this, he who has begun a good work in you will continue that work until the day of completion. And I am a work in progress and so are you. But if I found, if I found my life on the truth and I flee evil desires, right, avoid godless chatter because those who engage in it become more and more ungodly. Their teaching spreads like gangrene. That's, that's verse 16, drop down to verse 22. Flee evil desires and instead pursue righteousness. 2 Timothy 2.23, Avoid foolish arguments because you know all they do is produce quarrels. Okay? And then lastly is this. Faithfully live out Jesus to others. Right? That's what it says. The end of 2 Timothy chapter 2. It talks about encouraging others, challenging others, instructing others. And if you want to live, consistently live an unchained life, here it is. Four easy steps. Found your life on the truth. Found your life on the truth, okay? And the truth isn't an individual's teaching, including mine, okay? The truth is found in the Word of God. Open the book and read it for yourself. Now, I'll help you. I'm here as a guide. I will absolutely help you in it. But found your life on the truth. Not on philosophy, not on garbage, not on found your life, on the truth. I preached last week on the issue of of stewardship. Okay, and I know some people freak out when the the church talks about money. Do you wanna know why I'm a tither? And I'm a tither, and and beyond being a tither, I give. I I give, in any offering we receive here, we give. My family gives in. I'm a tither, I give consistently to missions. Here's the reason why I do it. Because the Bible tells me to do it. And here's what I found, that when I follow the instructions in the instruction manual, life works. Okay? So I'm going to found my life on the truth. The way I do relationships, to the best of my ability, I'm I'm, I'm imperfect. I, I do it the way that the Bible says. And you know what that means? It means this, that if you do something and tick me off, I'm not talking to him about it. You know why? Because Matthew 18 says this, that if you offend me, I'm supposed to go to you. And one of, the, one, of the, one of the vicious epidemic issues in the body of Christ today is this issue of gossip. And you know what? I have to deal with the people that you do unspeakable damage to because you spew garbage in the form of a prayer request. But if I've got a problem with you, I'm not going to you, I'm coming to you. And, and you know what, if you and I can't work it out, then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bring somebody else who's compassionate, a brother or sister in Christ, to where in the presence of two or three, the truth is established. If that doesn't work, then I'm gonna bring it to the church. Which, does, which doesn't mean me declaring on Sunday morning how bad you are, it means this, it means bringing it to the leadership and saying, hey, here's a situation that we've got and if there's not resolve then here's what the Bible says it says that I'm supposed to treat you as an unbeliever now here's what most Christians do they go that means you're you're, you're dead to me right how am I supposed to treat an unbeliever here's what I'm supposed to do let my conversation be full of grace seasoned with salt because the idea is to win you by any means my approach to you shouldn't be to cast you into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth it should be to demonstrate such compassion to you that you want to connect with Jesus on a very real level okay that's founding my life on the truth right not getting caught up in this junk that the enemy's throwing at me. I'm going to flee those evil desires. I'm going to be very intentional about the way that I interact whatsoever things are true, noble, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. And when I live my life that way, I'm faithfully sharing the reality of who Jesus Christ is. And then what happens is this. Life works let me tell you something about me I'm not a gambler I don't drink I'm not addicted to pornography um, I don't I don't use profanity well there, there are a few words that I say that some people some legalistic people might think is profanity uh, but I, I don't think that's profanity <laughs> okay I'd give you a list, but it would offend them right now, and I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> uh, but they're pretty mild. Um, I don't. I don't have vices in my life. I, I'm not. I don't secretly, secretly go to the casino. I, I've, I've never. I've never pulled the handle on a slot machine. Uh, the only place I gamble is on the, is 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 on the golf course. And usually that's not money. It's I'm gambling on. The, I'm gambling the value of a golf ball because sometimes I have no idea where it's gonna go. I'm I'm far from perfect. I can relate to Paul when he said, the things that I don't want to do, I do, and the things I want to do, I don't do. Um, But I don't have skeletons in my closet. The the stuff that's wrong with me, you know about because I tell you about it. I live a life where I believe that God's gonna show up every day. I live this unshackled life, and it's not because I'm pious or holy or because I'm the preacher. It's because I've discovered this. And I don't say this arrogantly. I say it very humbly. Here's what I've discovered. I've discovered this, that life works and you can live an unshackled life when you found your life on the truth. When you flee the evil desires. I'm not not gonna, I understand that temptation is common. I'm not gonna fuel the temptation in my life. I've got enough temptation coming at me on my own. I don't have to add to it. I'm gonna be very careful I'm gonna be very focused in my interactions. I'm gonna do my best to treat you the way that I believe that God wants you treated. And then I'm gonna make the most of every opportunity. I'm I'm gonna, both in my actions and in my conversations, I'm gonna faithfully share Jesus Christ. And and can I tell you, even though my life isn't perfect, it works. So I'm gonna say to you what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I wanna invite you to break free from the chains. I wanna invite you to break free from the chains. You've been been in prison far too long and you you live far too much with, "If if they really knew about me, they wouldn't like me. And in that, because you've been stuck in that for so long, the enemy speaks us to you over and over again that the principles of God don't really work. And here's what's happening, God brought you here this morning to bring you back to start.